0: And we're live with Be Green with Amy. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Be Green with Amy. I'm Amy. After adopting a whole food plant-based lifestyle, my hubby Rick and I lost over 130 pounds. Now I coach others on their plant-based journey. Jess Tess voice.
1: Let's welcome our guests. Dr. Kim Scheuer, MD, and Dr. Nikki Davis, MD, have had great success in helping their patients prevent and reverse chronic lifestyle-related disease. Dr. Davis and Dr. Scheuer are available for telehealth appointments. Please click like to help Be Green with Amy. Welcome Dr. Kim Scheuer and Dr. Nikki Davis. Greetings and welcome back, Dr.
0: Davis and Dr. Scheuer. Hey, everyone. Thank you. It's so good to see you. I'm so glad you're back. You have been with us before and we'll put some links to those previous interviews that we had so people can look those up. But today we are going to talk about diabetes and that's a real big deal for a lot of people. There's a lot of people out there that either have diabetes or pre-diabetes or they most likely know somebody that does. It seems that it's been a lot of people have believed that once you get that diagnosis with diabetes, there's really nothing much that you can do. So what we're going to do is we're going to start with our true or false, and we're going to give you guys a little quiz.
1: It's time for True or False on Be Green with Amy Live. Answer true or false to Amy's questions in the comments below. And Amy will ask our guest for the expert answer.
0: Okay, everyone, type in the answer to this, what your best guess is, and then we will have our docs give their answer. First question is, true or false, you can get diabetes from eating too much. Okay, Dr. Shoy, do you want to answer that one?
2: It depends on what you're eating. Certainly, if you are overweight, that can lead to type 2 diabetes. And there's a couple of different kinds of diabetes. So we'll talk about mostly, I think, type 2 diabetes here. But eating too much and eating the wrong foods, like lots of processed meats and um, cheeses and the standard American diet, you can gain weight, you can cause insulin resistance. And yes, you can get diabetes from that. And since you're eating too much can cause it or eating the wrong things, particularly, you can change that and reverse it if you eat the right things.
0: Dr. David, did you want to add anything to that?
2: Yeah, I mean,
3: what Dr. Scheuer mentioned spot on, I think uh, for me, when I think about diabetes, I don't think about people eating too much food that is what has caused them to you know, get diabetes or not be able to reverse their diabetes because they're eating too much. Um, really, it comes down to the type of food, not mm-hmm. the quantity. And that's one thing that I love to talk to my patients about is that this way of eating should not be a chore. It should not be about portion sizes, calories, too much, too little. It should be very natural. As long as you're eating the right foods, you should feel very naturally hungry and very naturally full. And that's what you focus on are those, you know, whatever your body is telling you when you need to eat. And it's not at all about eating too much. If you're eating the wrong types of foods, then yes, absolutely. That's going to affect diabetes, but it isn't about the qual the quantity. It's about the quality of the food.
0: Well, those are great answers. So let's talk about the types of food and true or false people with diabetes should not eat fruit. Dr. Davis, you want to start with that? So,
3: right. Because what we've all been told is that diabetes is from excess sugar, right? That's what most people think is I eat too many carbs or I eat too much sugar, and that's why I am either at risk for developing diabetes or I've already developed diabetes. But what we now know is that although yes, diabetes technically is increased blood glucose, right? It's increased sugar in your blood, but it isn't from eating excess sugar and certainly not from eating fruit. Um, so the sugar from fruit does not cause diabetes. You can eat fruit all day, every day. And not only would you not develop diabe- diabetes, but if you were at risk of it, it would lower your risk. You could treat or reverse diabetes by eating a lot of fruit. Um, so, so, yeah, so, and what I wanted to mention also with the sugar is that, you know, what we now know is that it's more likely that it's the type of foods that you're eating that are high in fat Um, highly processed foods, high in fat, and lots of animal products that we now know are what lead to diabetes. It's not about excess fruit consumption.
2: Okay, Dr. Scheuer? I 100% agree. I have so many patients who come to me saying I have diabetes, I'm not allowed to eat fruit. And that is so diametrically wrong for what really causes diabetes. So fruit is actually really good for you. And as Dr. Davis said, there are studies out there that show the more fruit you have, the less risk of diabetes you have. And now you gotta be careful. I'd be really careful not consider that fruit juice. And I would not consider that a lot of dried fruits because you want the fiber, you want the water content. As Dr. Davis said earlier, it's how it's what you eat and um, more than how much you eat. But you need to be full on things. And so when you eat an apple, you get fuller faster and you get all the micronutrients, you get the fiber, you get the bulk, you get the water um, and you get a slow uptake of the nutrients and the calories. And so you don't get an insulin spike, which is a problem. If you drink a huge amount of apple juice, that can be a problem with diabetes. So I really... The the full fruit, eat as much as you want. Whole fruits, eat as much as you want. And that will actually decrease your risk. So, um, because diabetes is not about the sugar. The sugar is a side effect. It's It's a symptom, but the issue as Dr. Davis says is the fats, it's intramyocellular fats. So intra in, myo, the muscle and the tissues, cellular in the cells fat that blocks the insulin from working and bringing the sugar into where it needs to be from the bloodstream. So go eat your fruit, please, please. You'll enjoy it. You'll
0: love it. It tastes great and it's healthy for you. Don't fear the fruit. (laughs) Well, now that you talked about the fats, you know, I think a lot of people think that if they eat something that's fattening, they get fat. And where does the fat go? Oh, it probably goes to my hips. It probably goes to my belly or my butt. That's where it goes, right? So <laughs> Dr. Shore, you want to talk about that? Well, some doctors say the fat you eat is the fat
2: you wear, which is true. You don't want too much fat. And especially if you're looking at diabetes, you want less than 10% of your calories about, of fat. I definitely, every single thing has some fat in it. Fruit has fat in it. everything has fat in it. You need some fat to absorb um, vitamins that are fat soluble, like A, D, E and K. So you need some, we're not saying no fat. That is definitely not what we're saying, but we wanna limit the amount of fat. Um, and when you do that, you will be able to eat more, maintain a very healthy weight and that's a great way to go and keep your sugars your blood sugars in an adequate level and increase your insulin sensitivity which is
0: really what you want to do. Dr. Davis, did you want to add to that?
3: Definitely, we if if you just want to make it really simple and knowing what to eat that is low in fat, you're looking at whole plant foods, right? And Dr. Shore mentioned that earlier with fruit. Nature perfectly packaged food for you. So, instead of eating the apple, you know, drinking the apple juice, Obviously, eating the apple is better. Your nature wants you to have all the fiber and all the nutrients and everything in it in its whole form. So if you can focus on whole plant foods, you're already going to reach that 10 to 15 percent of fat from calories that Dr. Schroyer was mentioning. And yes, there are going to be some higher fat plant foods, but even higher fat plant foods aren't as high in fat as other, you know, plant-based foods like oils where if you have oil, you're getting 4,000 calories per pound versus an avocado that's about 700 calories per pound. So you have options that are a little bit higher in fat, yes. Whereas if you're talking about like a carrot, that's more like 100 calories per pound, avocado is going to be a little bit more calorically dense, but not compared to some of those high processed foods. So if you can just eat a little bit more down the scale on the whole plant foods, you're gonna be much farther along than most people who eat the standard American diet in America, and most people who are getting diabetes. I mean, we see that about one in three people now in America are either pre-diabetic or diabetic. So this is an epidemic, and it's something that's not gonna go away until people start changing their lifestyle.
0: Yeah, that's pretty scary, the statistics. And I think that maybe people have a false sense of security when they're diagnosed as pre-diabetic. And I often think of it as if somebody told me I was pre-cancerous, that, w- that would be an alarm. And so I think it should be somebody should take, if they got that diagnosis, that they should take it more seriously. And you're just kind of very close to being diabetic. What do you think, Dr. Scheuer? 100% agree with you. There, We have seen physiologic damage
2: and organ damage even in the pre diabetes, pre hypertension, you know, so I agree, that should be a wake up call right away. My numbers are higher. My and it isn't for a lot of people. It's interesting, I have people coming to me because they want to deal with their cholesterol, but their sugars are high. Like, wait, we need to deal with everything. And so I think you're spot on. That pre-diabetes is, does not mean, oh, 10 years, 20 years down the line, I'm going to have problems. It's now. Deal with it. And the other thing that I get really concerned about is not only the adults, but the children. Because we feed our children so poorly without intending to. You know, my uh, we, I have family members who give their children hot dogs. Mm-hmm. And that's a class one carcinogen. And I'm like, no, please don't. So teach your children young to eat fruits and vegetables and whole grains and legumes, nuts and seeds. You know, those are the things that you really want to teach them to enjoy young. Dr. Davis. Yeah,
3: I, I have to agree. I, I've been lucky that my eight-year-old has been plant-based since conception, <laughs> since birth, but also before then. So I had a, a vegan pregnancy. And, um, you know, I, I do. I see a lot of people, a lot of parents come to me saying, my kid is, all he'll eat is mac and cheese and chicken nuggets. Well, my kid does not eat that because that's not what I give him, right? Kids will eat what you give them. They might fight and complain for a little while, but they're when they're hungry, they're going to eat food. And so you've just got to give them the right kinds of foods. And in my own experience with my son, I mean, there was a day that I ran out of broccoli and he cried about it because he wanted his broccoli, you know, that's like, Oh, parenting win. Uh, So, It is something that is possible to get your kids to eat well, but you have to be the role model and you have to be the one that gives that to them. They're looking at you.
0: Okay, but we have a question. When to limit fruit to three pieces a day, heart disease, Esselstyn or mastering diabetes, no heart disease, but over 50 years on standard American diet, whole food plant-based going on five years. Do you wanna answer that, Dr. Davis?
3: I do not ever tell anyone to limit fruit for no reason.
0: Okay. And Dr. Scheuer? 100% agree with Dr. Davis. I have never
2: told somebody to limit their fruit.
0: Yeah. Now I've heard that sometimes some people could be a little more sensitive to one type of fruit versus another, or maybe even one type of legume or one type of (laughs) starch. So maybe that might be some way that they could fine tune it. Now, both of you are doctors at plant-based telehealth. And if somebody was running across Something like that, they could book an appointment with one of you through the plant-based telehealth, and you could help them tweak their intake of foods and determine. Right, Doctor Shore? Absolutely. I love my partners at Plant-Based Telehealth because each we first of all we are in
2: fifty in fifty states and DC, and we have such a brain trust of wonderful people that if I don't know the answer, I can say to my colleagues and type them up and say, "Hey." Somebody asked about limiting three pieces of fruits. What do you do? Why? And 98% or 95 to 98% of what what we say is all 100% similar for everybody. There's just a little bit that does need to be tweaked. You know, I tell somebody who's end stage heart disease a little bit different than I tell a 20 year old athlete, you know, so there are things that we can tweak with each person and each person has things that like. Again, fruits are great. I eat way more than three fruits a day, but I also eat tons and tons and tons of green leafy vegetables and I eat tons of greens and some people have different and legumes reactions to different individual legumes, grains or um, fruits. So, yeah, you want to
0: individualize it a little bit. But that's where you can come see us and we can help you out. That's so true. And I think that people, if they would journal what they ate, that they might see that if they were including the fruit, maybe they weren't including as many greens and things that they should have. And you have to plan it out a little bit. I mean, you it, it's nice to watch presentations like today and to read some books, but when you're dealing with something like diabetes, you may need a little help from a physician and, and not just doing it alone because, well, I mean, Dr. Davis, if, you, if someone who had diabetes adopted a whole food plant-based lifestyle, they could maybe become dangerously over-medicated very, quickly. Is that right?
3: Absolutely. And I would say that a lot of the time, the people who come to me with diabetes are looking to reverse their diabetes or get it into the best place it can be without medications. And it happens for a lot of people very quickly where I start to take them off medications. Once they've started, once they've really committed to a whole food plant-based lifestyle, then we can get them off medications pretty quickly for the most part now of course it depends on the type of diabetes it also depends on how long they've had diabetes it depends on your pancreatic function how your pancreas is functioning because pancreas is what is um, creating the insulin so um, but but overall yes you do have to be very careful someone who's making a big lifestyle change definitely wants to talk to a doctor if you are on medications, because that is something that a lot of times needs to be changed right away.
0: Okay. Did you want to add to that, Dr. Shore?
2: One of the things I was going to talk about, if you do come to see us and we need to tweak some things, for example, adjusting how much fruit or when you eat it and things, we do also use modern technology. Like we use things called continuous glucose monitors, which help people see how what they eat affects their sugars and they can see what they're doing overnight while they're sleeping and not checking their f- sugars manually. So there are advantages to seeing a physician for these for these issues because we can help you really tweak your health.
0: Yeah, with something like diabetes, I, my I have it. It's in my genes. My maternal grandmother and my mom both had type 2 diabetes, and they had this term crash. I'm crashing. And so it can be a real frightening physical experience to go through. I would imagine it would be psychologically frightening to change what you're eating and worry if something was going to go wrong. So I think that if somebody wanted to lose a little weight, maybe they could read a book about this lifestyle and, and go for it. But like what we were saying, if they're on medications, it'd probably be best to be supervised by physicians like you guys. So you were talking, we were talking about eating. And talked a little bit about the whole food plant-based lifestyle. And some people are, when they hear about that lifestyle, they think about carbs. So here's a true or false. True or false, people with diabetes should not eat carbs. You guys that are listening or watching, you can type in your guess. And we're going to ask Dr. Davis to answer that. Okay.
3: So first of all, we need to change what we call carbs. Carbs are carbohydrates and they're not evil. So a carbohydrate is a macronutrient. We have three macronutrients that we need. Trying to, there we go. Um, <laughs> protein, carbohydrate, and fat. Carbohydrates are absolutely something that we need. In fact, our body, our our body runs on carbohydrates. You need carbohydrates to make energy. Your body runs on glucose. So carbohydrates are not the bad guy. In fact, they're wonderful and. You get all three macronutrients, you get carbohydrates, fat, and protein in all plants. All plant foods have all three. They're gonna be in different levels. So you're gonna get some that are gonna have a lot more carbohydrate, a lot more. some have a lot more fat, um, but you're gonna get all three macronutrients in all of the plant foods. Um, so carbohydrates are not bad and carbohydrates do not cause diabetes. Carbohydrates are found in plant foods for the most part. So if you're not eating enough plant foods, you're probably not getting enough carbohydrate, which is really important. You need
2: it. Dr. Joyer? People get confused between what are called simple carbohydrates and complex carbohydrates. And you can, so what Dr. Davis was talking about was were complex carbohydrates in foods in their whole form. Again, you need that. We all need that and we run on that. So it's very important. But when you process foods and break down things and take out stuff, like fiber and um, the, the you know you you end up having what's called simple carbohydrates like you can say a milky way bar is a carbo- has carbohydrates in it it's a carbohydrate that's not healthy for you but that's not what we're talking about here we're talking about that wouldn't be great for diabetes and i was a milky way <laughs> fanatic before and i wasn't healthy when i switched to whole foods plant based which is, again, the fruits, the grains, the legumes, the, the veggies. That is complex carbs, and that's healthy for you and very necessary and, and prevents diabetes.
0: Okay, well, here's another myth that we're going to talk about and there's another true or false for you in the audience, and that is diabetes is caused by eating too much sugar. True or false? okay. Dr. Shore, you want to start with that one? I think that's false. <laughs> <laughs> the science shows that again,
2: it's not the sugar that is causing diabetes. That's just a symptom. It's the fact that when we eat something that is a carbohydrate that's broken down to sugar and we need sugar in our body, if it's not put in the right places, like in the muscles, in the brain, in the liver, then that's the problem. If it stays in the vessels, that's the problem. Eat sh- sugar, but don't eat just processed sugar like white sugars or the Milky Way bars or things like that. You want to eat whole, whole carbohydrates. When you eat it as a simple form, um, first of all, it's absorbed really quickly, causes insulin spikes, has all kinds of problems, and, and it can get too much into your bloodstream. You really need to avoid the fats because that's what causes diabetes. Intramyocellular fat is the issue. Dr. Davis?
3: Yeah, and just to go off on, on that topic, so intramyocellular lipids, the fats inside of our muscle cells and, and other cells, you know we're really talking about something called insulin resistance, where your body has enough insulin, it's, it has glucose running around in the bloodstream, but the cells cannot recognize the insulin because of the fat. It's kind of like, think of a lock on the outside of your cell that's been gummed up with a bunch of fat and that key, think of insulin as the key, cannot get into that lock to unlock the door, to let glucose just get into the cell and do its thing, create energy. Uh, so insulin resistance is really what we know, now know is what causes type two diabetes the insulin resistance. You can't use the insulin. So the glucose in your blood can't get out of your blood and into the cells where it needs to be. So it builds up and builds up and builds up. So certainly the fat in the diet, the high fat diet, which automatically at any animal product, meat, fowl, dairy, eggs, super high in fat. So that's where most Americans are getting most of their fat from is that. And then of course, oils too. Um, So eating processed sugar, I would say, is not a healthy choice, definitely, and it can be inflammatory to your vessels, Um, but what it's basically doing is just adding more sugar to your blood. It's not what's causing the insulin resistance that's ultimately leading to diabetes, but it's not doing you any favors, for sure. If you're going to be eating a lot of processed sugar day in, day out, that's not going to help things. But it isn't what is causing the, the bottom issue with diabetes, which is the insulin resistance from too much fat in the diet.
0: I know we talked about fruit, but somebody has a question about watermelon. Miriam wants to know is watermelon good for diabetes? I think that that's a common question about watermelons. Let's talk about that, Dr. Davis.
3: Watermelon's great, it's full of fiber, full of nutrients of water. It's very hydrating. It tastes delicious. It's like part of the best part of summer. Uh so yeah, absolutely. Go crazy with watermelon if you have diabetes.
0: Dr. Shuri, did you want to add anything to that? I agree
2: 100%. If you have really, really hard to control diabetes, you sometimes have to avoid the high glycemic foods. You know, just to get yourself under control and and but watermelon is wonderful. It's, it's such a great way to get some nourishing and delicious food in you
0: that go for it. So why don't we talk about when, because as I, I referred to earlier, that in my family members, I would hear them often because they had diabetes, that they would be fearful of crashing. And I wish that I knew them, what I'm learning now. And one thing that I did learn about was beans, And the second meal effect. So did you want to talk about that, Dr. Shore? Sure. So one
2: of the things to avoid crashing is keeping your sugars level for a long period of time, not the high up and downs. And that's really good. And beans have a great way of doing that. Even So the second meal effect is that if you eat beans in this meal, you're going to control your sugars better. You can control your satiety. So you're not so hungry right now. But it actually makes you more full for your second meal and keeps your sugars better longer. So it's it's really neat that there's one saying that I've always heard is eat your meal like your dinner to based on what you're going to have the next. What you eat for dinner will affect your meal the next day. And so. That's where beans are great because they keep you very stable. You don't have the highs and the lows. You don't have the crash and you're not hungry all the time. So it's a great way to get to help stabilize your, your
0: sugars. Dr. Davis.
3: Yeah. I would say that when you're worried about the crashes, really what you need to be focusing on is the highs because the crash comes after the high, right? And you're going to get high. You're going to get spikes when you have a high fat meal. We've seen this actually in a lot of patients of ours that have the continuous glucose monitor that you'll see that when they eat a certain type of food, not only does their blood sugar go up really high, so say that they decided to, to cheat and have a hamburger and french fries. And that's interesting because you don't think of that necessarily as a bad thing for diabetes. You know, people will have a hamburger maybe leave off the bun and they think that that's a healthy thing for diabetes. But what we've seen is that a meal such as that can just spike your blood sugar. And it stays high for a long period of time for hours because of that fat load in in that meal. Um, So you have to be be really aware of what spikes your blood sugar. And remember, part of that isn't just in the meal that you're eating. Part of that is in your insulin resistance that you already have that needs to be reversed through healthy eating.
0: Okay. Well, we have a question from Melanie. I have non-diabetic blood sugar highs and lows. My blood sugar cannot tolerate oatmeal. I think all grains are a problem. Both high and low blood sugar causes major insomnia for me. Advice, Dr. David.
3: So that's something where I feel like this person, I don't know enough about their history to really give give good advice on that. I would be curious to hear about what the highs and lows actually look like. Is it out of the normal range? And are, are there any other possible factors that could be leading to some issues with the sleep? So that's where I feel like these kinds of things, it would be a good idea to talk to someone uh, one-on-one where you can get a little bit more information. We can give some better advice.
0: Dr. Shory, did you want to add to that?
2: I also, I'm curious as to how processed the grains are and what you're having with the grains. You know, there's, in terms of oatmeal, there's Oat groats, which are the whole grain, then there can be steel cut, which are cut up a little bit more. Then it can be, you know, processed in many, many different ways. So that can be have an effect. Also, if you are insulin resistant, it takes time to get insulin sensitive. It doesn't happen right away. So if you're having issues with spikes, are you really having insulin resistance? And we need to work on that. So I agree with Dr. Davis. Um, that's something that we need to go into more depth, figure out what's really going on. And this person might benefit from a continuous glucose monitor and from more specific uh, details of not only what you're eating, but are you exercising after you're eating? What time are you eating and affecting your sleep? How's your stress level affecting? There's so many other things that we need to get into to figure out what's exactly going on.
0: And that's what I love about you guys and your practice, because you're lifestyle medicine doctors, you don't just prescribe pills and procedures, but you look at the whole picture and the things that you were discussing, not just diet, but also sleep and stress and so many things that I think are important to consider with diabetes. And I was going to go with another question, but maybe we should talk about that a little bit more, Dr. Shore, as far as how these factors can affect, because I think when people adopt this lifestyle, maybe if they have diabetes and they adopt this lifestyle and then they don't see improvements or they're not improving fast enough and they think this diet's just not for me. So what do you think?
2: Well, there's so many components, as you st- said, inflammation is a big part of this. Stress is a big part of this. Sleep is a big part of this. So if you just look at one focus one on one little thing, you're not, you may not be able to make the change that you need, you need to focus on everything. And I've had people who um, don't think that they're doing things that are not healthy for their body. But then when we really get into the nitty gritty of what you are eating or drinking, or when is really important too, then we figure that out. And we make changes. And it's wonderful. Um, So there are lots, I, I think that you can a lot of people get better so much faster by just switching from a standard American diet to a healthier diet. But then you have those people who really need much more focus on the nitty gritty of it. And that's when you come to us and we will be happy to help you. Dr.
0: Davis, did you want to add to that?
3: Yeah. So I have to say, I I absolutely love practicing this kind of medicine lifestyle medicine. It's when I was looking for doctors, you know, it just wasn't available for someone who's not only wants someone who's supportive in plant-based, but will ask me questions about my stress and my sleep and my physical activity. It just, unfortunately, the way that conventional medicine works nowadays is you get a 15 minute appointment with a doctor, they're rushed to get in, rushed to get out, and they try to give you what they can in a short amount of time, but ultimately, unfortunately just the way that it's set up you just don't get a lot of really personal one-on-one time and you certainly don't get a lot of information about what you can do to change your lifestyle you might be able to get a new medication or a referral to a specialist but it's very rare that you have a doctor that will sit down with you for a lot of time to go through lifestyle measures and that's where i am just so thankful that i have the ability to have a good conversation with people. People fill out a really long questionnaire about all of their history. So I already know a lot about them before we even sit down to talk, which is also super helpful because then that 30 minutes or that 60 minute appointment, is just talking and and getting to know you and figuring out how I can help you navigate this process. And you just aren't going to get that with a conventional doctor, unfortunately. So I'm really excited that we have this available. And I think it's something that I would have wanted when I was looking for doctors. So it's great.
0: Yeah. And so this way, the doctor, one of you or somebody else on your team can talk to the patient and find out with diabetes, it's not just one thing that they have to fix. It's not just diet. There's a lot of other factors that go into it and you could help them figure things out. Christine said that uh, whole food plant-based, if I do not eat before bedtime, I get so hungry. I check my sugar and it's low 90s to 100s. Advice, Dr. Davis?
3: So that sounds like a normal blood sugar. Uh, You know, if you are someone who needs to have a snack before bedtime because you're really hungry, know that might just be something that you notice for yourself, that that's something that's helpful for you. I will tell people to keep a food diary. I think it's really helpful to see. And Dr. Schroyer mentioned this earlier, write down the time that you're eating something and write down what you're eating. And then you can really see, okay, I felt like, you know, I felt like my blood sugar was lower. I just felt kind of off at this time. And then that way you can kind of look back to see what are your triggers. And if I eat, too early in the evening. Maybe I had dinner at four o'clock. I get really, really hungry at eight o'clock. And so maybe pushing your dinner time back a little bit later can keep you from snacking at night. And then there's other things where sometimes late at night, we think that we're hungry, but it's just because we're bored and we're tired and you get kind of snacky because when you eat, you're staying awake. It keeps you awake. Uh, Whereas if you're not eating it, you can get really sleepy and, and fall asleep. And if you've got work to do or you're studying uh, it makes it hard to stay awake if you're not eating. So that's another thing to consider too, is, is it actually truly hunger?
2: Mm, yeah. Dr. Shore. And on that, I was actually going to say, oftentimes we're thirsty. So it's not necessarily hunger. And so try a glass of water or at night, if you're trying to go to sleep, try a glass of chamomile tea or something, you know, that might do it. But um Again, there, those are things we can tweak when we know exactly what you're eating, exactly when you're eating it. I agree, that's a very normal sugar level. And um, so and a normal glucose level in your blood. So let's
0: find out what else is going on. Yeah, I think that a lot of people are hearing the buzz about intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. And it could be appropriate for a lot of diseases. But with diabetes, it I just keep thinking back to to my family members who would just be so frightened about crashing. And if I told them to intermittent fast, <laughs> I mean, for them, if they weren't eating every hour or every two hours, it was like a, a, a traumatic feeling. So perhaps maybe this intermittent fasting may or may not be appropriate for someone with di- due diabetes or at least in the beginning of this lifestyle. What do you think, Dr. Shore? I think it's, again, what you're eating to start with.
2: Because intermittent fasting, some of that does work really well to help your insulin and your sugars. So it, this is where you get into the nitty gritty, and you want to go more individual. But there's quite a bit of good evidence out there. If you're eating a standard American diet and you try it, that may not work as well because you're you're not um, you're not loaded up already, and your cells aren't very ready for that kind of fast. So you do have much more of a crash. Whereas if you're eating a plant-based diet and you already have what you need in your cells and you have time to do that, it works a lot better. So that's where I'd go into individuality for that one. Did and also depends it depends on your meds. I was thinking about the other person who felt like they're crashing at night. Are they on medications that start kicking in at a certain time? And make them feel bad, So we need to look
0: at that too. Oh, there's so many factors <laughs> to think about. You're so right. Dr. Davis? Yeah, I address? was going to
3: say, intermittent fasting, I think is a great tool. I think it's a very natural way to eat that we aren't meant to be eating 24 seven, that having a break at night while we sleep and when it's dark makes sense. And it really allows your body to heal any damage, get rid of any toxins. It's just a nice break for your body. So I think it makes a lot of sense. Now, you mentioned with diabetes, being fearful of family members who are crashing and needing to eat to keep their glucose levels up. Um, And I think that that probably comes into play more with people who are on insulin. And insulin, if you're taking insulin, absolutely, that causes your blood sugar to go down. And that can be why, If you're a diabetic on insulin, you really need to talk to a physician like one of us if you're looking to change your diet, because we do see that people get overmedicated very quickly and can have those crashes that you're talking about. So someone who's on insulin, I would say be very careful of doing any sort of intermittent fasting if you're already on insulin. Just talk to a doctor before you do anything like that.
0: Okay. Well, we did have a question. I think we kind of covered it, but let's just put it up. Debbie said, I was just diagnosed with type two diabetes controlled by insulin. Can a whole food plant-based diet help reverse this? So Dr. Davis.
3: Yes, it can. We see it all the time. We see people who reverse their diabetes by changing their diet and get off all of their medications and all of their insulin. Now it does depend on the person, it depends on the type of diabetes. Now she said type two diabetes, but there are some people who think that they're type two or maybe a, more like type one and a half. If you've had diabetes, type two diabetes for a very, very long time, sometimes you can get some damage to your pancreas and then you're just not producing insulin as best you could. And so for some people, you can't reverse it completely if you've been struggling with type two diabetes for a very long time. But if it's somebody who's been diagnosed very recently, there is a very good chance that just by switching to a whole food plant-based diet that you can completely reverse your diabetes. And I've seen it time and time again. This is a very typical result that we see in our practice.
0: Wow, wouldn't that be exciting for the conventional doctors to be able to say something like that? <laughs> Dr. Shore? did you want to add to that? 100% agree. I take people off of insulin all the time.
2: As Dr. Davis said, there are some people who have some damage if they've had it long enough. There's damage, but we can test that with some blood work, um, testing a C peptide and, and um, maybe a glucose tolerance test, tolerance test. There's lots of ways we can look to see. But even if you have pancreatic damage or you have antibodies against that, and you you will need some insulin for a, for a long period of time, the goal is to have you only on the What's called physiologic insulin—the amount of insulin that anybody who has a normal functioning pa- uh, pancreas would make—not more, because insulin can cause damages if if it's too much. And so we want to be really careful on that. So whether you are type one, type one point five, or type two, affecting eating a whole food, plant based diet and a healthy one with a lot of uh, with variety and knowing what you're doing. Um, is really important to work on insulin sensitivity. And that
0: is so important for all kinds of diabetes. That is so profound because I think that there may be people that are starting to learn that type 2 diabetes could actually be reversed or at at least helped. And I think that maybe there's a lot of people with the type 1 diabetes that think that there's just no hope for them at all because their pancreas is not producing the insulin so, Dr. Shorey, did you want to talk a little bit more about the type one and what they could hope to learn from this? And
2: Absolutely. And- so, again, I was talking about physiological insulin. We make insulin that we need. We all need insulin. Insulin isn't bad. And so if you have type one diabetes where you don't have that key to open the door, that's the insulin, that's the key to open the door. If you don't even have that key, you need to give yourself that key. And that's what insulin does. But to avoid long-term damage, like I, you know, visual problems, kidney problems, um, and vascular problems in the fingers and your toes, changing you, your diet and being as insulin sensitive as possible and using the least insulin you need is so important for somebody who's type one diabetic. I, I mean, I just, I have people I see all the time who can't feel their feet. Because they've had diabetes for so long, we change their diet, we adjust their meds appropriately, and all of a sudden they're feeling their feet again. They're feeling when they're walking, and that's so important. Um, So that's why it doesn't matter if you're type one or two or 1.5 or gestational or whatever. You really want to eat and and nourish your body as healthfully
0: as possible. Did you want to add to that, Dr. Davis? Yeah.
3: So with, I think all of that makes a lot of sense to me, and it's spot on and i would just say that for type 1 diabetes people who need to take insulin for life not only do they you know they're they're helping their type 1 diabetes absolutely by using insulin because your body needs insulin but the second part of that is you got to still pay attention to what we've been talking about for type 2 diabetes which is insulin resistance so yes you need the insulin for the glucose to be able to get into the cell, but it still needs to get into the cell. And we all know that fat inside the cell is gumming up that lock and that can happen in type one diabetes. So it's really important for a type one diabetic to heed the same, uh, you know, from the same message that we're giving today for anyone with diabetes is this insulin resistance is going to affect you whether it's type one or type two. So getting rid of the animal products in the diet, getting rid of the high fat foods, getting rid of the oils, And that's going to help you whether or not you're type 2 diabetic, whether you're pre-diabetic, whether you're type 1 diabetic, or whether or not you're not diabetic at all. Getting rid of the fat in your diet and having a lower fat diet, a whole food, plant-based diet that's lower in fat is going to help so many things. We're not just talking about diabetes, but if you're overweight, if you're obese, if you have high blood pressure, all of those things can be helped.
0: That's what I love about this lifestyle because it's kind of a one-size-fits-all. All in most cases for a lot of these lifestyle-related diseases. So let's talk a little bit more about the fats and the oils, because I think that can be a confusing thing for people because maybe somebody found out that you could cook without oil and things would taste just fine and they wouldn't burn. And we can let's talk about that too. But there's more to that than just not putting some olive oil on your salad. What do you say, Dr. Davis? Yeah.
3: So when we're talking about fat, like like I mentioned, you got to get rid of the things that cause the highest fat in your diet. And that's going to be animal products. And that includes low fat uh, chicken, right? Low fat chicken is still very high in fat. It includes dairy products. Even if you're talking about fat-free milk is not fat-free, um, you know, it, it, it's a marketing gimmick, it is not fat-free. You're getting still a lot of high fat in any of those animal products, cheeses, eggs. Not only are you getting the high fat, but you're getting really bad fats, like saturated fats. And you're getting cholesterol, which plant foods don't even contain cholesterol. So the only way you're gonna get additional cholesterol in your diet is by eating animal foods. So that's number one, a really great way to get rid of all that high, high fat in your diet is getting rid of the animal products and then on top of that oils because we know that oil is the most calorie dense food on the planet and i save food and i cringe a little bit because i don't really think that oil is a food it's something that's been stripped away from a food like an olive you're taking about you're taking away just the fat in the olive and now it's just a hundred percent pure liquid fat uh so oil to me is not a food and it is so so high in fat but it's really horrible for your arteries having that amount of fat go through your body all at the same time without the beautiful package that it's supposed to come in is just so harmful so if you feel like it's hard to get rid of those oils just remember you're not getting any benefit from the oil it it has very little of the nutrition that was from the original food source so if you really want to get those antioxidants If you want to get the nutrients, the vitamins, the minerals, the fiber, you've got to eat the whole food. So whether or not that's eating the entire olive or the entire avocado, whatever it is, having that transition to oil and and just having that pure oil is not
2: healthy at all.
0: Dr. Shory, did you want to add to that? Absolutely. I agree.
2: Um, Interesting. One of the questions that I saw was if beans are blended like hummus, does that work the same as having regular beans? And that is really... Interesting because if you make your own, it's great. However, if you buy hummus in the store, it has tons of oil in it, and so that oil you don't need. And that's oils are very hidden everywhere. You've got 120 uh, calories in per tablespoon of pure fat that you don't need. And once you learn how to cook without oils, you don't miss it and you don't taste it. You want to have that whole food like the olive like the avocado, instead of pulling out the oil from it, because you're, you're taking away um, the fiber, the micronutrients, and you're leaving just fat. And in this case, it is true. The, The fat you eat goes to the fat you wear. And so, and also, as Dr. Davis said, oils are inflammatory. Oils not. You know, you don't want to put something in your body that makes it worse. You want to, every bite. You want to think: Is this going to make me healthier, or is it going to make me sicker? And if it's going to make you sicker, don't you eat it. Just go straight to the the source. And the whole
0: fruit or the whole vegetable or the whole bean. Great answer. I often think about how when you're people who cook with oil in the kitchen and they may have like a little separate container so that when they're ready to clean up, they wouldn't dare pour the oil down the drain, right? (laughs) And that drain is a pretty wide drain compared to your arteries and and things inside of your body. So if you wouldn't pour it down the drain, I don't know why you'd want to pour it down into your body. (laughs) Angela wants to know, once you're on dialysis for diabetes, is it still possible to reverse diabetes? Dr. Davis. So
3: dialysis is when you have end-stage kidney disease. And If that is something that's caused by diabetes, to me that says that you've been living with diabetes for a very long time because you've had so much damage to your end organs that your kidneys aren't functioning properly. So it really is on a case by case basis. We have seen some people be able to improve their kidney function, definitely, by switching over to a whole food plant-based diet. And we have seen people be able to either better manage or reverse their diabetes. But this is on a case-by-case basis, especially when you're talking about somebody who's been struggling with this for years and years and years. There is some damage that's gonna be done that cannot be reversed in some people. Of course, if you can start today, you're gonna have benefit. No matter what, you're gonna have benefit. There might be some things that we just can't completely reverse because if it's been years and years and years of your body taking these hits, it's not always easy to come back from that, but there is still hope because we do see that people still get benefit. Even if it isn't completely reversing a disease, you're still getting benefit by either requiring less insulin, getting off some medications, maybe not all. And we have seen people improve kidney function. So. It is definitely possible to still get improvement, no matter how long you've been
2: living with a chronic disease. Dr. Scheuer. Absolutely. If you are on dialysis and you want to change your diet though, please talk to your doctor. And if your doctor does not believe in plant-based, find one that does. Dr. Hashmi is a nephrologist who um, believes who is plant-based. Because when you change over your diet, you're going to add a lot of potassium, which is really, really good. But if you are on dialysis you have to adjust that a little bit when you're doing that. So don't, if you're on dialysis, yes, there is hope. There is hope that you can reverse some of the damage done. And if there's not too much damage, you can see significant reversal, which is great, but don't do that alone. Please see a doctor for that one.
0: Okay. That's good. Good to know. So one thing that we didn't talk about, and I think it's something that a lot of people like to incorporate into their lives, is alcohol. So, <laughs> Dr. Shore, did you want to talk about alcohol as it relates to diabetes? As it relates to diabetes, sure. Alcohol is
2: sugar. It's pure sugar and and it's it's a processed sugar. So it's a remember we said sugar wasn't the problem, it's the processing. Alcohol is it's it's so socially ingrained. So it's an interesting one there. But if you look at the World Health Organization, they're seeing that alcohol is any alcohol is associated with breast with cancers and breast cancer especially. So again, I wouldn't necessarily think don't start it if you're not drinking. And if you are (laughs) drinking, cut it down. It's empty calories. I am not a huge fan of
0: alcohol. Okay. Dr. Davis, do you want to add to that? Unfortunately
3: there is no amount of alcohol that is healthy. So if you're someone who drinks alcohol, just know that by doing that, you are increasing your risk of certain diseases, including cancers like breast cancer, like Dr. Scheuer mentioned. Trying to get off of alcohol, I think makes a lot of sense for anyone, but especially diabetes too. If you're really looking to turn your health around, alcohol is not gonna be helping that. It is, it's it's a processed sugar and it's doing harm. It's doing harm to your your organs, your liver, your arteries, your brain. it's It's not doing anything good for your body. And I would
0: think that if you did consume it even if you didn't consume a lot, even just a, a one serving, which people don't think about, their, the wine, for example, with wine glasses, their, their wine glasses are, are like this big where it has probably two or three servings. but it has to kind of put your defenses down a little bit and maybe make you consume foods, that either more foods than you should be having, or the foods that you shouldn't be having, just because it's changing your perspective on life (laughs) during that moment. So maybe even for that reason, too, it could really be detrimental to your lifestyle and to what your goals are. You know,
2: it's not healthy for you. So I wouldn't suggest my 17-year-old just take a little bit of cigarettes, you know, so I don't, think that suggesting
0: alcohol is a good idea. Very good. Very good. So now somebody was just learning about this today and they was, "Oh, what is all this talk about whole food plant based and and fiber and and <laughs> and different fats, what should they do if they just said, okay, I have diabetes and I want to make a difference, but I don't know really where to start. Dr. Shoy, where would you think that they should start? What should they do? What should be their first step?
2: First of all, feel free to contact any of us at any time at plant Based Telehealth. But also, I absolutely love a book called Mastering Diabetes by Cyrus Kambada and Robbie Barbero. It's a very good thing. You can go to your library take it out or listen to it on audio tape it's it explains diabetes extremely well and that's probably where i would start and then i would start depending on where you are i mean if you're eating a whole if you're eating a standard american diet start by adding some of the good stuff like adding fruits and vegetables and crowding out some of the bad but there's a lot of there's a lot of misinformation out there So please come to an expert and and talk to one of us about it. Dr.
0: Davis?
3: I would say it depends on the person. Some people hear this message and they say, okay, I'm starting tomorrow. I'm done. I'm throwing everything out and I'm starting tomorrow. And other people say, ooh, do I really? Okay, let's see. How am I going to do this? And so for people who are a little bit more nervous about it, I'll say, just start with one meal a day. Just make breakfast breakfast plant-based because that's a really easy one to do. It's really easy to do oatmeal with berries, uh, you know, shredded wheat with some soy milk. You can make a breakfast really easy and then keep doing what you're doing for lunch and dinner. And then once it gets to where you're feeling like, okay, I can do this, I'm doing breakfast. okay. then try lunch and kind of go slower that way. Whereas if you're going overnight, maybe doing a program like I know that the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine they have a 21 day kickstart program that's free and they give you recipes and they kind of help you get started with eating plant-based. And then there are some that cost a little bit of money, like the Rochester lifestyle medicine Institute does a program every month. It's only about $150 I think. And that's a two week program. You get a lot of support throughout those two weeks of, of transitioning. And then up from there, there are some other places where you can do programs that are going to cost a little bit more, but overall, everything is available for free Uh, you can make this change without spending any money now if you come to us of course you know you would have a doctor that could help you get off medications if you need to do that while you're making the transition but i love the mastering diabetes book i think that's an excellent recommendation uh, for something that would be pretty inexpensive And then also, I really like the Starch Solution book. That's a book by Dr. John McDougall that I think is also a really good one if you're looking to transition to a plant-based diet.
0: Well, a lot of good resources. Thank you guys for sharing that. I didn't ever have pre-diabetes, but- my numbers were climbing and I knew that it was going to do eventually get that way. Unfortunately, I discovered this lifestyle before it became to that point. But I do remember that I would get shaky in between meals. And in it, even if I wanted to, if I wanted to exercise, I'd love to do it in the morning because then it made me feel good about myself all day instead of trying to remind myself all day that I needed to do it and then maybe not doing it. But I could never exercise unless I had a meal, because in the middle of exercising, I would feel shaky and not feel strong. So is it different for people with diabetes when they try to do exercise, Dr. Davis? It
3: is because exercise is actually kind of like a, it's like going through the back door of your cell. So instead of requiring the insulin to let glucose into the cell, when you exercise that automatically lets glucose into the cell. So it's kind of, it's like a secret. It's, hey, if you don't want to have to take insulin right this moment, exercise will help you get that glucose into the cell as well. Uh, So definitely exercise will lower your blood glucose and can be very helpful for diabetes. I like to tell my patients that if you can go for a quick walk after you eat, that will help with you being able to use that use the insulin more effectively and get that blood sugar out of your bloodstream. So absolutely exercise is important, but you also do wanna be aware that it does work really well by letting glucose into the cell. And so if your blood sugar is already low, and if you're somebody, maybe you're on insulin or maybe your blood sugar is just low at that time, you do have to be careful because it is gonna to work to, to get that glucose out of your out of your uh, bloodstream.
0: Dr. Shore,
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Doctor Davis said it perfectly. It does. It, it's I I use the analogy of the window. You go through the window instead of the back. Yes. Door. But um, it it definitely brings down your sugars and helps you uh, your insulin sensitivity. So exercise is so important. And exercise doesn't need to be go to the gym. Do my exercise. It can be walking right after a meal. It can be gardening, it can be doing your housework, it can be it's just movement. And actually, it's nice to do as much movement as possible during the day to help you. If you have diabetes, or
0: if you don't have diabetes, it's just great for so many reasons. Well, let's just talk a little bit about the plant based telehealth. Because if I did have diabetes, this would be even though I know what I know, I think I would still feel that I would want a little bit of somebody to touch base with a little bit of help. So Dr. Shore, you want to talk about that? Sure. You can go to www.plantbasedtelehealth.com, and
2: on um, you'll put in some of your information. If you want to look for a doctor, first look at, it'll ask you what state you're in, whether you have Medicare or not. And it'll tell you which doctors in our group ha- are licensed in that state. And then you can read bios about each one of us and see who you fit with who you feel you would fit with best, because you want a doctor who's not only knowledgeable, but fits with your personality. And that helps a lot. And every single one of our group are just so wonderful, I think. Even if, for example, you lived in a state where Dr. Davis wasn't in, but you wanted to see Dr. Davis or get her expertise, you could see somebody in the state that you're in, and they can always ask You know, they can always run things by, we always run things by each other. So it's not like you're only getting one doctor. You're getting a whole group of nine really interesting, fun, smart,
0: knowledgeable people who live the lifestyle we suggest. All right, Dr. Davis, do you want to add to that?
3: Not only do we live the lifestyle, but we just absolutely love learning. We love learning about everything that has to do with lifestyle medicine. We share with each other things that we learn oh, I just looked up this study and and found this, and I wanted to share it with everyone. So it's a really tight-knit group of plant-based doctors that when you, like Dr. Scheuer was saying, when you schedule an appointment for one of us, you're really truly getting all of us because we're constantly talking, we're sharing information, we're asking questions, and we feel like we're on the forefront of lifestyle medicine. And so we really do take the responsibility seriously and we really try to learn everything that we can about lifestyle medicine. We use evidence-based medicine. We're always looking at what the latest research is, the latest studies are, and looking at what is really helpful to our patients. We are constantly learning and we're very excited about all the patients that we see and all
0: the benefits that we're seeing. Yeah, I think it would be nice to visit with a doctor that wasn't burnt out (laughs) and had a positive outlook that as soon as I came in with, with a medical question that they wouldn't be thinking, oh, here's another person that I can't heal. I'll just have to prescribe them a drug. And and yeah. so that must be so so nice. And with the collection of the doctors, you have different languages. That some mm-hmm. of you are bilingual, and Dr. Shore, you you sign so American you know, Sign Language
2: and Spanish for me. Um, we have Spanish, Cantonese, French. Yeah, those
0: are the ones that I can think of. And yes. American Sign Language. That's even really fabulous. Well, I wanted to ask everybody that's listening or watching what did you learn today? What was your takeaway? Because this is going to help people who are looking at the comments, put this in the comments so that people in the future who are looking at this broadcast can see what were some of your takeaways. Now, I wanted you guys to please stay tuned for a special announcement. I do want to thank Jess Tass Voice. She did the countdown and she did the promos and intros and all that. And Jess Tass Voice, Who's coming up next?
1: Learn the best strategies for adopting and sticking to a whole food plant-based lifestyle. Amy Zacharias, MD, is board certified in both family medicine and lifestyle medicine at Plant-Based Telehealth. Bring your questions Wednesday, January 26th, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Be Green with Amy, live.
0: Well, I do want to thank all of you in the audience for watching. I want to thank Dr. Shore and Dr. Davis for coming on, but they came here to see you and to talk to all of you and to tell you how excited they are about this lifestyle and how they have helped people with diabetes and want you to be helped with this information as well. So thank you guys for watching and listening and you can click like and that's your way of applauding this broadcast. That would be wonderful. And what we're going to do now is we're going to sign off with the doctors. And if you guys want to do this along also, you can put in the comments my tagline, be strong, be well, and be green. Are you guys ready to sign off? Okay, here we go. Until I see you guys again, remember.
1: Be strong, be well, well, and be green. 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 (laughs) Green. (laughs) Bye-bye. Now you can listen to Be Green with Amy expert interviews wherever you go. Listen while walking, meal prepping, or traveling. Find Be Green with Amy on Apple, Google, Alexa, Amazon, or virtually anywhere you find podcasts. Be strong, be well, and be green with Be Green with Amy.